In Ephesians 5.22, Paul wrote, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. What does biblical submission in marriage look like in our modern age? Dr. David K. Bernard answers this timely question in this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. In Ephesians 5.22, Paul wrote, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And he repeats this command in Colossians 3.18 when he says, Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as it is, as it is fit in the Lord. And then in Titus 2.5, he tells his ministerial protege that he should teach younger women to be obedient to their own husbands. Now, it seems like that there are two very common responses to Paul's words here. Some people get very upset and they accuse Paul of being sexist. And then on the other hand, we have men who they take these verses and they use them as an excuse to run roughshod over their wives. What did Paul mean in these verses and what does biblical submission in marriage actually look like? Let's try to delve into what the biblical teaching truly is. Both of the common reactions you mentioned are based on a fundamental misunderstanding of submission in the New Testament. So first of all, I'd like to say that fundamentally marriage is a partnership. In 1 Peter 3, 7, the King James says, heirs together of the grace of life. So we are equal partners, co-equal partners. The fundamental relationship of a man and a woman is they join together to become one, one new family unit. And there's no master-slave relationship. They're partners. Now, God created the man, and then he created Adam, and then out of Adam's side, he created Eve. And he said, I'll make, the King James says, and help meet for him, help Meet is two different words. Meet is an old-fashioned word meaning suitable. So sometimes people say help meet. That's kind of a made-up word jamming those two words together and maybe thinking of the related term help mate. But that's not what the Bible is saying. What the Bible is saying, God told Adam before he created uh, Eve, you know, Adam named all the animals, but none of the, none of the animals were suitable companions for him. Adam was alone. No was, there was none comparable to him. And so God said, I'm going to make a helper, someone who can help him come alongside him who is suitable for him. So there's an indication they're partners. They're, they're equal. They're related to each other. And the, the ancient rabbis explained from that story, God did not create the woman out of the man's head so that she would rule over him, nor did he create the woman out of the man's feet so that he would rule over her, but he created her out of his side so that she would be the, he would love and cherish her. She would be the closest thing to his heart. So I think that is starting to a, a capture what we really mean when we talk about the marriage relationship. Now, Ephesians 5 and the other passage you mentioned do talk about a leadership role. Now, some believe there should be no leadership role. I do believe the husband and wife are co-equal partners so that every ma- they must have common values, common goals. Every major decision, they should pray about it, seek God, seek appropriate counsel, and make it together. And if there's a big decision they don't agree on, that's a good 
uh, that's a red flag to say, wait, you need to pray more. You need to study more. You need to talk more because before you move forward, you need to be in agreement. That's fundamentally how a good marriage should work. However, in every family unit, there needs to be a leader. And I do believe God has chosen the man to be the leader. And I think it's practical. It's seen in biology uh, throughout most of human history. Now, today, through modern technology and economics, we can kind of blur this. But if you take a look at the way God designed humans from the beginning, obviously, it takes both man and woman to procreate. So in that sense, they're partners. They're equal. The contribution genetically to that child is equal. But the woman is designed to physically bear the child. The woman is designed to physically nurture the child. That's just a, a biological fact. So the woman is more um, suited or designed to take care of the small children. Well, obviously, um, a pregnant woman or a woman with small children, she cannot uh, defend herself in the same way as a man can or even a woman who doesn't have children. Uh, she cannot exert the amount of physical labor by herself suitable for the whole family. So it's clear that God has designed the man, and he's usually physically stronger and and uh, suited to manual labor, which throughout human history, the, the way most people have supported themselves, farming, fishing, craftsmen, it required a lot of manual work. And so the man is suited to be the protector and the provider. And even if the woman is just as physically strong, if she's pregnant or she has small children that she's nursing and tending, well, she's not capable of uh, you know, or she needs someone to help her. And so the man is designed for that. And if you, if you just think of an example here, here, here comes wolves or here comes, uh, uh you know, a, a robber, you know, the man is, is supposed to defend his family, protect his family, provide for his family. And to do that, there's a principle in scripture and in human nature, authority equals responsibility. So authority is not just given so somebody can exercises a dictator authority is given to fulfill an important responsibility so god i do believe has given the man the responsibility foremost to provide for his family to protect his family now the woman is a partner in that if you if you look at the ideal woman in in proverbs 31 She's a businesswoman. She buys a field. She plants. She she makes crafts. She sells them. So uh, the ideal woman is not excluded from being a businesswoman or working in the home, outside the home. You know, being an economic partner equal to her husband. She might even make more money than her husband. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying God has asked the man to take the responsibility to protect and provide, and I believe even spiritually. It should be the man who says, let's pray as a family. Let's go to church as a family. Many times the woman does that, and maybe she has to do that, and thank God for women who take the initiative. I don't, I don't uh, criticize that. But I'm saying God has asked the man to take the lead. Well, if the man is supposed to be the primary leader, then he must have the corresponding authority. So just to take like a simple example, but, but let's say he's working in the field. Let's say the woman is working in the home and, and she's got two small children and, and here's a wolf coming. He yells out, close the door. Well, there's no time for arguing. Who, why should I do what you say? You know, maybe you should close the door. 
Well, no, he has the responsibility for protection. Therefore, there must be a, a corresponding authority. Well, do what he says so that he can do his job. So it doesn't mean he has a right to come in and order people around, beat people up, you know, abuse people verbally or physically or demand my needs first. But in the fulfillment of his leadership role, his wife, his children should respect that. They should cooperate. They should work together. So if he says, let's go to church, they should go to church. Now, that does not give any license, as I've already said, for physical, verbal abuse or contrary to God's will. There's a basic principle, Acts 5.29, we should obey God rather than man. So let's talk a little bit more about what does it mean to submit. In Ephesians 5.21, it starts actually by there's a mutual submission that all believers owe to all other believers. So our whole attitude of the Christian life is not who's the boss around here, but it's how can we help one another? How can we love one another? How can we, uh, whatever God has called you to do, how can I help you fulfill it? Um, we all recognize everybody has gifts and callings. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody has a ministry. Now, there are different types of authority based on the different types of responsibility. But basically, our attitude is we're all Christians together. There's no dictator. We're all here to help one another. And so I'm going to read from the NLT because it brings it out. In Ephesians 5.20 and, and further, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. So the fundamental teaching is we submit to one another. So I submit to you, you submit to me. I might be the pastor, but there's a sense in which the pastor submits to the followers because he's serving them. And there's a sense in which the followers submit to the pastor because he's teaching them scripture that they should obey. But we're all submitting to everyone in one at one time or another. We're all praying for one another. So the same thing with husband's wife. There's a very real way in which the husband submits to the wife because if the husband was a single adult, he can stay up all night if he wants. He can eat pizza uh, all night if he wants. He can go to work or he can not go to work. And if he doesn't want to get paid, he wants to slatch around, and uh, that's his choice. But when you have a family, well, now you can't just get up and play games all night. You got to let your family sleep. You got to go to work. And so you have to submit to your own family. It's a mutual submission. And so the, the fundamental statement is, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, you might say, well, just as the Lord leads us, but also there's implication as the husband is Christ-like. So his leadership must be Christ-like. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ the head of the church. He's the savior of the body of the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of the word. Uh, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy without fault. In the same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, the two are united to one. This is a great mystery, but is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Titus also says for husbands, for wives to love their husbands. But notice the main emphasis is the husband is to love his wife, but love sacrificially as Christ loves the church. Uh, 
So I read an interesting quote from C.S. Lewis. He kind of turns our perspective around, but I think he's right. He says, the real problem, the real thing I worry about is not wives submitting to their husbands. The real thing I'm worried about is husbands leading their wives. Because, and what, what he goes on to explain, if you just read that, okay, husbands order their wives. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about husbands sacrificing their wives. So he says the real problem that we have in society is not wives rebelling against their husbands. The real problem we have in society is husbands rebelling against their God-given role. Think about it. We usually think of the wife deferring to the husband, the wife sacrificing for the children, the wife sacrificing to the husband. Well, that's not the picture here. So we think of the the woman as the nurturer. I think there's validity to that. But we all often think of wife deferring to everybody else in the family, thinking of herself last. And certainly the husband comes home, he's the Lord and master, she caters to him. But actually there's a different picture. The husband needs to be sacrificing for his wife. <laughs> and that is counterintuitive. So when we talk about submission, we have this picture of the wife bowing down the husband. C.S. Lewis says, well, if we think of biblical submission, the husband should be going around sacrificing for his wife. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about wives being dictators over husbands either. I'm not talking about flipping that around. I'm just saying the perspective is different when we usually use the word submit. It's not master-slave. It's not dictator. It's not I get my way. It's that we work together and we do whatever is necessary. Sometimes the wife gives 100%. Sometimes the husband gives 100%. It's not just 50-50. You do what needs to be done for the good of the couple and the good of the family. And speaking from the husband's perspective, the husband should be thinking, not what do I want? You know, pull the trump card. I'm the husband, so you have to do what I say. It's more in the line of, okay, what does my family need? What does my wife need? What does my children need? I have to take care of them first. Then if there's anything left, I take care of me. I mean, that's really what the picture is. I will die defending my family. I will sacrifice my life so that they can live. I will work hard and and uh, suffer want before I let my kids and my wife suffer want. So the picture is of one who gives himself sacrificially for the benefit of his wife and his children. And if he does that, then I think it becomes easy for the husband to love, for the wife to love such a husband. But so Paul says, I think the bottom line is, husband, you need to be the true spiritual leader of your home and make sure you take care of your family like Christ takes care of you. And wife, if you've got a good husband like that, you ought to listen to him. You ought to follow him. You ought to respect him. Because he's doing his job. Uh, so Paul is not talking about what if there's a dysfunctional home? What if there's an abusive home? What if there's an unbelieving home? All those things have to be considered and qualified. But he's established like the basic guideline of a mature Christian family. And I do believe that's relevant today. And I do believe if people would follow that, we would have happy homes and stronger churches. It's not about who's the boss. Um, it's about fulfilling our role, fulfilling our responsibilities as God has given us to do. And what we are saying against modern culture, the roles are equally important, but the role of a husband is different from the role of a wife, and the role of a father is different from the role of a mother. And I would just close with this by saying there are so many single-parent homes, mostly moms, and we respect those moms who raise their kids without the benefit of a father for whatever reason. Um, and, and we, and God can help them and the church can help them. But 
statistics show, research shows that the very best outcomes for children, whether you talk about drug addiction, um, uh, criminal behavior, uh, sexual promiscuity, economic stability, physical health, they're the results are much better when the biological mother and biological father are both in the home. So the breakdown of our society is fathers abdicating their roles. And I think Paul's words are highly relevant. Fathers, you need to be the sacrificial leader. Mothers, wives, if you have such a husband, you need to hold him up. You need to support him. You need to follow him. And together, you can build a godly home. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share Apostolic Life in the 21st Century with a friend or family member. And make plans to join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.